Welcome to Numb Bills Fan Podcast for number 159. I am your host, David Palermo. Thank you for following along on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, Reddit, wherever you're coming from. Appreciate it. If you don't already, please subscribe to Numb Bills Fan Podcast. Get all your authentic, passionate Bills talk here with at least analytical backing. So on the line, I have Kevin Masseri. We'll get to him in one second. But don't forget, follow along on Grandstand Sports Network where you can pick up Lockdown Bills Podcast, best Bills podcast there is, hands down. Aaron Quinn, Kevin Masseri, Eric Turner, Nate Geary, they all kill it. And they got a lot more stuff coming, so check them out. Also, don't forget, PunchDrunkSports.com has the best sports podcast in the world. If, you know, if you're a little sensitive, don't listen to it. It's all real comedians out of L.A. They're the real deal. San Tripoli, Jason Tebow. And Ari Shafir, I mean, killers, all killers. So follow them along on Punch Drunk Sports and at Punch Drunk on Twitter. Kevin Masseri is on the line. Kevin, hello. Hi. How are you? Good. That was really an awkward high, but I like it. So I wanted to switch it up. It's okay. Hey. Um, I, usually, I usually say, hey, Dave, or something. So I wanted to switch it to hi. Hey. So, hi, Kevin. Um, let me set the tone here. Uh, last podcast was number 158. If you want immediate reaction to the game, I had my little brother, my little not little brother, Jamie Kreider, calling from L.A. He went out to the game. Mike Smitty Smith, the, the regular on the podcast, joined in. And uh, it was called Stop the Process. Bill's blown out again. Come to find out what happened is, I didn't really get a chance to totally get Kevin's full take on this whole benching situation. My head was just going nuts and listening to a lot of stuff. And one thing I picked up was LaShawn McCoy and Ruben Brown, both Pitt alumni. They were not overly like, oh, this is going to be great that Biederman's starting. And, you know, it kind of like, I was like, hmm, and I picked up on that because, you know, Ruben Brown's like, man, I've seen him play. And, uh, you know, it's a lot of times I'm screaming at him. I think he's a good kid, yeah, yeah. But, and McCoy's like, hey, man, well, I guess we'll see what he can do. And to me, the team came out firing when Tyrod Taylor went in. They, they, it just had a spark to it. Um, it could just be coincidence that they had plays not go to the other team. And it, it's weird a few days later that I'm sitting here like – Seeing everybody make excuses for Nathan Peterman. Meanwhile, you want to do that. Tyrod's two out of three picks were also deflected up in the air. But I don't need a five interception breakdown from you people who Kevin brought up the point on his podcast, which I just found out. Kevin, toss it to you. You've been in lockstep, as Russ Brandon would say, lockstep. We're in lockstep with me on this whole thing over Tyrod Taylor and I would just like you to rail for a few minutes on your thoughts about garbage time to the offensive coordinator shooting him under the bus, and then we'll move on to next to, to the next topic, which will be let Tyrod audible. So we're going to dive through all that right now. So hit it with your thoughts, Kevin. Um, a couple days later, the dust is settled, and let's get into it. Yeah, absolutely. So initially, you can go back that you know the move hasn't happened since 2006 when a team was in a playoff position with a winning record switched their quarterback over from Jake uh Jay Pl- uh, Jake Plummer to Jay Cutler um uh, back in 2006 was the first time that this ha- happened 
Now, guess what? Guess who the offensive coordinator was under under that switch? Rick Dennison. Um, they proceeded to go two and three and miss the playoffs there. So, you know, you had a team that went seven and four, lost two games and made a switch there in 2006. Rick Dennison did the same thing here um, and, you know, picked Nate Peterman to go in. You know, to me, Dave, I, I mean, it was just unjustified. You had two losses. Um, I think you can relate it to a similar scenario in Kansas City where – They've lost four out of five games, four out of five, you know, not one out of four, you know, four out of five games, Dave, um, yep. they've lost over there in Kansas City. And they still haven't gone to their first round can pick I, where they spent two first round picks on in Patrick Mahomes. Can I jump in here and then let you go on with your story? So sure. my whole thing is with Nathan Peterman starting, that was, is this the offensive corner of the last straw or is it Juan Castillo? Because they hired Juan Castillo first. Remember how weird that was? They're like, oh, cool, a run game coordinator, an offensive line coach. And I, again, I mean, no disrespect to the coaches. Okay, so anything I say in this podcast, no disrespect. But your job as a coach is to put players in position to see. The point of this podcast, before I get back to Kevin, I want to address one thing in my at mentions on Twitter. Okay, I had a great guy tweet in i love his tweets and he's really uh a good guy and his name is the bills blues and he goes we're to hear you rail on the coaches not judging just know how positive you generally are i get the frustration but want to give mcd a shot even though i have many reservations here's the deal a run game coordinator i run my own drywall business and i pattern it after i use this as an example to ding to i pattern it to somebody who's already done it Right. So what that means is if I'm the run game coordinator, the first thing I am doing is putting on the tape and I'm seeing how these players are used. And I'm not saying that they didn't do that, but then you had to implement that and then translate that to what's worked before. Because, again, you get the ego, you get the credit, you get all that stuff and you're off to the races. Well, the problem with this coaching staff is you cannot name simply one thing that they do well, at least Rex's teams, I had an excuse with injuries. We had elite talent on the team across the board, okay? And you just had to worry about injuries. And not for nothing, they, they it wasn't like this. At least the coaching staff had one side of the ball that's well. What do you know? We have another mediocre special teams again. So there's nothing this team does well. So to address you, Bills Blues, I love your tweets. Um, yes, I am usually positive. But it's not about being positive. It's about being objective. And when you see that a player cannot tailor his scheme to the, or a coach cannot tailor his scheme to the players, like if you have a notebook and this is what the organization has been selling, is how organized and ready for this that McDermott is, no disrespect to the man, he's not. Because there's not an answer here. You can't preach accountability to players and then continuously see, as a player, square pegs shoved into round holes. I'm sorry. That's inexcusable. Then you got to look at vets like Kyle Williams and Eric Wood in the face and tell me that you better be doing this for competitive reasons, that you're not starting Tyrod going into this next game because it's going to look awful. And that brings me back to your point with Kansas City and Kevin Taker from here. So Kansas City is in a similar situation now. But they still and, 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 you know, it's really what really is coordinate, what really kind of lines up that Sean McDermott models his team after Andy Reid, his his real, you know, hero. Um, Sean McDermott's an understudy of Andy Reid. And even Andy Reid has all the opportunity in the world to move away from Alex Smith, a game manager, a kind of mobile quarterback, sees the field, has some offensive weapons. Have you seen 
the Chiefs at six and four, have they choked and decided to switch their quarterback out when they have a legit prospect? This is an even different scenario where they have a legitimate prospect. That's PTSD to Alex Smith. And the first thing I heard Andy Reid did, did, did with Alex Smith is go, look, this is your team, okay? And I don't know if this was a move to pull Tyrod to BQ, but not for nothing. The coach's ignorance really shows when there's 12 minutes left after the fourth interception, there's 12 minutes left in the second quarter, and you leave him in there. Why? That's ego. That is ego. Frankly, I love Nathan Peterman as a prospect. I was stoked when the Bills got him. I am still stoked on Nathan Peterman, but it's not his fault he got thrown to the fucking wolves. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's, I, I think it's unfortunate. It's less about the player than it is about the decision and about the prospect. Like, look, he's a fifth-round pick. He shouldn't be playing in this game. Um, if you're I've always said seven losses was my number seven. By the time you hit the seventh loss, you're able to you know, make a decision, maybe lose a few more games, try out a quarterback, because at that point it's over. But you're in the thick of a very tight AFC race in, in a 17-year drought that you just went up on, on stage and claimed you didn't care about any longer and said, oh, I've only been here for 10 months after claiming the drought when you first got hired in Sean McDermott. So you have all these things, Dave, and I just, I, oh, I just, oh. I just don't. And, and you know what? To, to piggyback on your point, not to cut you off, but uh, yeah, Sean McDermott can't say that I recognize the drought and I respect it and then come out in a press conference and say, hey, that was not my control of what happened in the past. Okay? You can't play like you understand us. This is the issue I have with Doug Marone. Don't be coming in here like you fucking know us on, uh, in this part of town. You don't. Okay? Whether you want to believe it or not, people have rinsed repeated this cycle of coaching staffs coming in and say what you want about Doug Whaley. Okay? Say what you want about Doug Whaley. We had a lot of fucking talent. A lot of talent. Okay? And they finally actually paid players good money. And they got themselves into some contract hell. I'll admit that. Okay? They did. But it was really only for a few years the Bills had that contract hell reputation. People got to pump the brakes and appreciate the talent that they have at hand. Okay? Anthony Lynn should have never left the building for this guy. Never. And I mean that with all due respect. Because... It does not seem like there's accountability for coaches. And guess what? It doesn't look good when Mike McCoy, your number one choice, your number one choice for offensive coordinator, got fired from Denver. Got fired from Denver. This is a mess right now. He's got a lot to prove right here. You can make an argument that McCoy chose Denver over Buffalo. Um at the time when, you know, really we thought that McDermott would hitch his wheels to him um, and it didn't end up happening. So, yeah, I mean, he was hitching himself to two older style offensive coordinators who had been around and neither of them turned out to be very good. So and then you, go, you look at co- coaches like Sean uh, McVay, who has basically the Bills old receiving core and a couple other Bills players and Nicole Ruby Coleman. And he's excelling and with a young, aggressive offensive mind with a Jared Goff who looked terrible last year. So, I mean, you got to go out and try to do something different and find a um, you know, tailor to your player strengths. It's funny you brought that up to me because I was thinking about like, oh, yeah, uh, Roby Coleman was playing wonderful in the slot position. He was doing he was doing good. Keon Seymour, a man, a man corner. Ronald Darby. Yeah, I don't know if he's playing good football. I'm not breaking him down, but I hear his name. Uh, so. You know, you had these guys, and now we're going to switch to some soft zone, as you said. And I said it in the beginning of the year, before and during training camp, and I might have said this, I swear to God, Kevin, to you, uh, when they hired this guy, 
you're switching schematically across the board to a cover three, essentially, right? Tom Brady is going to pick this defense apart. And there's been quarterbacks that are not even a fifth of Tom Brady picking this Bills team apart. What does that mean? You have McCown. He's a vet. What is Tom Brady going to do to you? You are destroyed. And you're coming out with like run formations and not even protecting Tyrod Taylor on pass downs. And you're so obvious. I have never seen a team look this bad since Jaron. Like this has been the worst three game stretch. You can't give up 135 fucking points and bench a quarterback. Tell me it's on the quarterback. Get out of here with that. It's not happening. You got a lot. McDermott has a lot to prove to me. We got to see this team come out. And not for nothing, Kevin, I think the team played really. I think the team could have won if Tyrod Taylor was in with 12 minutes left in the third. I really believe that. You want to give your team a spark? That's when you put them in. You know, maybe even after two. But after four, and you keep him throughout the half, and you're worried about the future, this is a thing for the future. You just killed our, by happenstance, our, our number one wide receiver, and you got Sammy Watkins catching balls on screens, and you got Darius just literally picking up that center and moving him out of the way That it, from your podcast, what I heard. You know what was really scary to me, Kevin? On Lockdown Bills, and I don't know if you listened to the podcast I had previewing this game, uh... I said, you know, listening to Lockdown Bills preview this game, it's really kind of scary that this seems like the perfect matchup for Tyrod Taylor, a quarterback that can get yards on the ground against the best of these defensive lines. And here we go. The guy there, the host of that podcast that came on, sorry, I forgot the name of it, but he mentioned how well even mediocre quarterbacks are getting yards on these defensive ends. You know what I mean? They're getting out of there. And I'm thinking this is a great matchup for Tyrod. Yeah, I mean, if you're referring to Locked On uh, Chargers, my guy Stanley over there, Locked On Chargers, um, basically came on and broke down that, hey, we're getting crushed, and we're getting crushed in in the run game in terms of um, receivers out of the backfield uh, with receiving backs with LaShawn McCoy and a recently brought up Traveris Cadet. I mean, you had two receiving options there that would have helped out. I mean, you have a quarterback back there dropping back and just looking to throw the ball no matter what. You saw that that was his mindset, and no matter the pressure, no matter the schemes, no matter the changes, he was going to release the ball. Um, and he's getting hit instead of tucking it and trying to run or tucking it, um, taking a sack, tucking it, trying to break the pocket. He's just taking hits. The ball's floating in the air. He's getting picked off. I even I even blame him for the first one, honestly. I thought the call was a fullback screen. Um Therefore, you know pressure is going to be on you. So I give you less reason to panic. You know pressure is going to be there. You roll out to the right and you throw the ball to your fullback. You don't, you don't, you don't laser it into his face. Um, granted, should Demarco have caught that ball? Sure, um, I, I believe he should. Why have, are we but, even, buddy? Why are we even having this conversation? It doesn't matter. It doesn't right. matter. It does not matter. Okay, and it starts right at the offensive line. Ruben Brown said it in the beginning of the year. I don't know what's going on with this offensive line. And it starts right there. And and again, this podcast, to any players, if you, for some fucking reason, excuse my French, listen to this podcast, really, thank you, I'm flattered. Anybody, the Pagoulas are listening, Terry, I love you, fam, but like this process ain't working. And uh, we got to get a guy who gets the players in best position to win. And I cannot name 
one spot besides safety where I could see somebody going to the Pro Bowl this year. And rip on Rex, rip on Doug Moron, Marone. I mean, uh, Frank, you know, you could tell me Chang we could have stayed here and we would have had an offense that would have kept on putting points and maybe drafted a good quarterback eventually or I don't know. You could talk me into so many other ways, but I just see a guy that from day – it's not a good look when you are getting rid of that. I, I don't like draft talk because the Bills don't keep a guy for 10 years. They don't. It's got to be Eric Wood or Kyle Williams. They don't really keep a guy for 10 years. And the, the, it's like what, what foresight is it running a business when you get rid of equity? Why? Because they don't fit your culture? Like, is this like an unintentional tank that I've been duped into, Kevin? Is, is Could that really be it? Because the Pagulas are, are very, very talkative and very adamant about drafting a quarterback every year. You know, Bill Polian says, which not for nothing, Bill Polian is outdated. Listen to Bill Polian all you want. People got to be on the cutting edge. Imagine if this coaching staff, Kevin, to wrap on this, imagine if this coaching staff actually lets Tyrod Taylor Get to the line of scrimmage in Audible. Because if you're LaShawn McCoy, you're like, oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. Really, guys? And wait, this is a tight end heavy roster. Why aren't we protecting the quarterback more? Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I mean, I think the offensive line has its issues. um, But you bring in a guy like Vlad Dukas. um, You keep a guy like Jordan Mills in the lineup. I mean, I don't know. You should have rolled with John Miller all season. I didn't see the problem there. Yeah, a nice Um, developing player that's very cheap. And he has chemistry with the guys there. And that was the very first sign. When they were trying so hard to give Dukas the job in training camp. And they just couldn't. And they just couldn't give it to him. Or something happened. Yeah, let me... Let me talk about, you know, the Vlad Dukas, Andre Holmes, Ryan Davis. Oh, go um, on, bud. Patrick DeMarco scheme. I mean, you have four players there who you brought in to fit your scheme. You could get rid of all of them um, right now because it doesn't really matter. And you would have gotten a third and fourth round pick. Third and fourth round pick there from from cutting guys who just shouldn't even be on the roster. I like Ryan Davis a little bit. Um, I think he's a fair backup defensive end. Patrick DeMarco has been fine. But I think you trade them in a heartbeat for a third and fourth round pick. So if you really care about draft capital, that would have happened. But instead, you're putting these guys that are your players still on the field who still aren't productive. Um, you know, and 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 you're trying to justify it by your winning games. Well, now you're not winning games, so they they have no reason to be on your team anymore. You just sacrificed a third and a fourth round pick for these guys. Yep, and yeah, again. You're changing up schematically. It's like, oh, yeah, this waffle guy coach. Oh, great defensive line coach. Really? Because I don't even think you should play with the defensive line, frankly. I think you should put all secondary out there and let them try to run the ball. Because at least they could, like, you know, be like a pack of birds and form like a V towards the ball pretty fast and get in the way. Because whatever techniques is going on. Oh, wait. No, we don't have Marcel Terry's to take double teams. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know, oh, here we go. So it's like, what is the fastest way to fill holes, Kevin? Are you like, okay, the tight end position position looks set, right? Okay. Sure. Unless, yeah, they, we'll unless they screw that up because there might be too much money and he's not our guy. Um, left tackle, if they get rid of Cordy Glenn, I'll be so pissed. I'll be so pissed. He's been solid. He started the first three years. He's, he's yeah. as good as gone. <laughs> okay. He, he's Why? absolutely as good as gone. Why? Why? His salary number. He, Dude, you're, no you're, way. You're, you're, you're taking over a guy that has a $15 million salary cap implication. He's not staying on the field. Why, he's not your guy. Why is Groy, and at this point, why is Groy not up at the guard spot at right guard? Okay? Well, I don't care if he's a backup center. Figure it out later. 
Okay. Why? Why I would sacrifice somebody else to have an extra offensive lineman? I know it sounds scary, but you because guys got to figure it out. Someone doesn't like him at guard. I mean, I don't know who it is. I don't know if it's Juan Castillo or McDermott or Bean, but someone does, someone doesn't like him at guard. They should have never matched that. They should have let him go to the Rams and save the money. Why? Um, you know, so I want to bring up to you as well. You know, Dennison shot Tyrod under the bus. Saying, you know, I told him to take a risk, and he took the low read, which is true. And if you notice in this game that Tyrod went in, Tyrod didn't even look for the check down. Tyrod's like, screw it. I'll let it rip. You want to see me let it rip and be irresponsible with the ball because clearly it doesn't matter to you? I will. And I got to say, Zay Jones had a career day. <laughs> he really did. I think it was the best game of his career, wasn't it? One of them. You know, he, and those guys came to play. Those when Tyra Taylor went on the field, they did not give up on him, man. Offensive line woes or not, I thought Tyra Taylor came in there with a sense of urgency the entire time he was in. And if we're going to be saying how good Nathan Peterman looked at, like garbage time, Tyra Taylor mops it up times three, okay? Because if he would have been in with 12 minutes left in the third, we have a game. There's a game, no doubt. And just as fast, just as fast, you got to think Patriots football. It's like watching for me the Yankees in the 90s. It was painful as an Orioles fan. I could not count them out of it till like five minutes after that game was over. The TV's off and I'm in bed cheering. Because the Yankees always found a way to come back and win it in the ninth. I don't. I did not know it. No how. But I don't like to consider the game done till it's done. And you have a team of guys out there. The scheme's got to get straightened up. And if that means you got to put in Groy, and if, if Glenn could be healthy and start at left tackle, cool. I don't mm, – he seems kind of screwed for the season. But, like, I would like to see Deion Dawkins at the right side. At this point, you have nothing to lose. You really don't. And 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 I, I'm just really wondering how much of a priority um, this is to make the playoffs because, to me, it is. Because it isn't – I don't care if we limp in there like the Texans because it, it isn't like a – we're not that far off. These teams are not that good in the AFC. And and it just takes a finding out what you do well. And that's the thing I have a problem with is we don't have anything we do well. And, and I almost wonder if all these moves, that maybe it's chipped away at the focus of the team. Because we didn't maybe think about it shipping away Darius, but the game plan was already in place. They already, you know, they're already kind of set. They're in the mindset. They hit the plane. You're kind of, you don't really have that, you know, I don't know. But after that, the team has been losing. And I don't, I can't put my finger on it, um, but it comes down to coaches, and there's so many holes, and you can't have, like you said in your podcast, you can't have an offensive coordinator throwing the guy under the bus. And Dennison talked again uh, Monday, and he mentioned, was it Sunday or Monday? He said something at the end of it that was like, yeah, and I support McDermott's decision. Oh, and by the way, every decision he's ever made, that to me says McDermott maybe put his finger in his chest and said, you got to figure this out. And that sure. leads back to your opening point about Plummer and Cutler. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it goes to Rick Dennison's ability to not change his scheme. All, all that point says, Dave, not, not not a ton other than he's willing to change out a quarterback because he doesn't fit his scheme. I mean, I think the proof is in the pudding. He's, one, he's done it twice now in his career to where he sits a quarterback because he's willing to see if the other quarterback can fit his scheme better. At least in Jake Cutler, you had a very talented guy behind Plummer and plumbers at the end of his career. That's even a little bit different to me here. You have a fifth round pick who still needs time to develop underneath uh, relatively 
decent young quarterback um, who plays a different style of football. Let him go out. Look at Russell Wilson. Seattle would be five and eleven. Five and eleven. Seattle is five and eleven. Um, with Russell Wilson, they're six and or they're ten and six every single year or better. Look, I think there's a thing that they could do. Step one. I keep teasing it. I keep digressing. Let Tyrod Taylor play. Let him play, okay? Um, This team has gone through a lot together. And the regime has not made this well for the players. And I don't want to speak for the players, you know, because I'm not them. And maybe I'm having too much empathy. And if they are listening, they might be like, dude, shut up. You know, but I look at this like a league that does not care about its players. Um, I think the Pagulos are great because, you know, I follow their kids on Instagram couple of them and it's like they're hit people you know what i mean they're very pleasant on the sidelines they're like nice people so they have to me they have a good heart and they have good intentions and what i like about terry pagula is he hires these people and he lets them do their thing and i don't think he's on the same side as me as far as you know where the team is like i have a lot more faith i think in the players and i think a lot of these the coaching staff does and and a lot of people because the common pattern is this is simple things like you won't let a quarterback audible but meanwhile you're praising rick dennison and i'm thinking what a genius move because he's already worked with tyrod you know this should be turnkey but anything turnkey operation on this team has not happened you have a pro bowl pass rusher in in defensive ends who are having a hard time rushing the passer i mean can we switch it up a little bit here? Can we figure this out? You, you as in Lorenzo Alexander, and I understand it was a three four, but it, it's just there's certain things that they could be doing, and yeah, he McDermott likes to pride himself on how long it takes him to make a decision. Well, last said checked, we haven't been in the playoffs in 17 years, and these are not good calculated decisions that you're making. Sure. And yeah, it, I don't. I don't know. I I don't know where in life taking taking long time and making you know really evaluating decisions is a good thing. It can be in certain in- instances, but at least in my world, I mean, I'm in business development and sales. You know, we're paid. We're supposed to make really good, quick decisions, and at least the well thought out ones in a really quick fashion. So, um, you know, that's you know one of the first things you get asked in an interview. But you know, he's kind of he's kind of praising himself on well, it takes me forever. I I look through all the notes. I watch film. I talk to all my coaches, and then I come to a decision, um, which is fine. But I mean, you're showing you're showing your team, you're showing them in an uncertainty. I mean, you're showing them that you don't know exactly what you want. I mean, you, you're saying you can, you told me you got persuaded in a day, but then you're saying you take forever to make a decision. So look, you called Tyra Taylor, your starting quarterback on Monday. Apparently you watched some magical footage that showed that Nathan Peterman the next day should be your quarterback. And then, you know, retract your statement on Monday that Tyra Taylor is your starting quarterback. I mean, come on. Hey, this is the one time I love Buffalo media. You know, when you got douchebags going out there, for Doug, we're going to get them, boys. We're going to get them, boys. And it's like, oh, my God. (laughs) Welcome to Buffalo. Welcome to Buffalo. Because there's going to be no air in that dough. Like, dude, I am sitting there with popcorn. I am so stoked on Bill's press conferences when shit goes wrong, man. It's like you don't get better than Bill's because these guys talk in circles and it seems like these coaches they try to make whatever box 
they can. This little PR box, which is great. Trust the process. It's so general. It's so general. That's so general. And then I'm very methodical. No, not really. Your, your method's not working. In your book, again, you know, like in your book, show me where you fix this problem. And and I could probably, do I have to take a day off of work or maybe, maybe next week, Kevin, do you want to have a fun little game where we could go, what coaches could he have hired? Uh, what do you mean? What offensive coordinator? Yeah, like what? let's play a rewind. Me and you can make a cute little video together or do a, a podcast or something on Facebook and be like, hey, let's rewind the clock. We're bored. You know, when the season's in the shitter, we're bored. What coaches could we have hired to fit the personnel that was on hand? Let's be real. I'm talking techniques. You know, I'm talking along the same tree, not his own blocking scheme, okay? Like, the trend of the league is a multiple offense. We just took a step backwards. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, there's a step backwards there. I mean, you're, you, there's plenty of coaches. And, and, you know, really, if you're just talking offensive coordinator, I believe, um, because, you know, if it's, if you hire Sean McDermott, he's going to bring in his own defensive guy. And, you know, Leslie Frazier is going to run the defense, this soft freaking zone coverage that they want to run. Um, very Dick Duron-like, not quite as um, – unaggressive as Dick Duron, but you know, really you need linebackers to make this thing work. He had Preston Brown and Lorenzo Alexander missing in coverage and missing run scheme the entire game. Um, I mean, there was just another, you know, play I saw where Milano guessed the wrong gap, Preston went in the wrong gap and he just run up the middle for 30 yards. I mean, it's, it's getting to be bad. And, and like you said though, and other people have said is, is it's not, it's not, um, no, it was on it was on John Murphy. Somebody goes, look, it, it's not Preston Brown's fault. He's legitimately just getting blocked. You know what I mean? It, it's what do you like? What do you want sometimes with, with with that position? You're gonna throw a lot of shade on him. You know, it's a position, but th- these guys shouldn't be in this position to start with. That does that make sense to people? That's my whole point. Is it's not the players. We have all these holes now. All these holes, and I don't think that there is a system on this roster that works. You have uh, uh, Zay Jones that's not mentally ready for the game. You know, his mental toughness is very down. He's recovered now. And you just have this coach killing confidence across the board. I mean, it to me, I can't imagine being on that team and seeing all these transactions and just, like, thinking, all right, guys, we're going to rally together. We're gonna... Like, man, I know tomorrow's Wednesday. We're doing this at 8.30 at night right now on a Tuesday. But I really hope that he starts Tyrod. And my whole point is is just own it. That's it. Just own it. You made a calculated risk. It didn't work out. That's cool. But, you know, don't play any games here. Don't play any games here. This is Buffalo fans are way too smart. And you don't know what arena you entered. Because I don't see how... If if it stays this negative, I don't see how you bring them back and sell tickets because I might give mine up, and I really mean that. I might not even podcast. So I'll be that pissed, like really that pissed, because it's it's yeah. just it's just a dog and pony shit show. And here comes somebody. We got all oh man, we're having a great off season. Why? Because you gave away something for picks. Cool. I'll take my van. I paid like fourteen thousand dollars for after interest. Actually, probably seventeen, and now it's worth like four thousand. You know, like, cool. I just lost, oh, man, we got rid of Darius. He didn't fit in. <laughs> okay. I'd rather have Darius high as fuck eating nachos and, and speeding 
uh, you know, doing test laps around Orchard Park and Abbott Road to 20A and coming back around with a dune buggy, okay, on a dirt bike and, and, and playing high as fuck than having this defense that can't stop the run. Because apparently Darius must have been important to the team in that locker room, right? At least he was in a respectable way. I don't know that he was in a, in a character way, Dave. I don't think we can go as far as saying that. Um, I think he definitely was in terms of the, of the of, of his style of play and his his strength for sure. Just kind of a leader based on his his skill set. You know, I've played I've played um, pretty competitive sports, I should say. Um, and you just respect someone that's really good at the sport. I mean, you just respect them. That doesn't mean you agree with the, them off the field. Um, it just means you straight up respect that individual because of how good they are at the sport and, you know, nothing else. So I, I just think you can go as far as saying, yeah, I don't think you lost much in terms of like raw, raw shish kebab, but like you did lose a little bit in the terms of like just that respect factor. Like you mentioned earlier, you've got a scheme against this guy. Um, you can't leave him singled up or he will start to wreck havoc, even if he's not at his best. They lost a lot there. And, I mean, Darius never gets traded if he's not making $100 million. If he was making even $50 million, he'd still be on this roster. Uh, so it's just, it is what it is. It is, Kevin. Um, what do you think about just letting Tyrod audible? I don't have any problems with it. I think your quarterback should always be able to audible at any level. Freaking college. I don't care. Like, I watch mid-major football because I'm a big UB fan and whatever. Make fun of me. Um, so I watch the Mac all the time. And what's really funny is actually UB has potentially an NFL quarterback in a couple of years and potentially uh, a first-round wide receiver. They actually have Jadevi and Clowney's uh, cousin who goes to UB. Um, who is a receiver. But anyways, even guys at that level, mid-major college, should be able to call audibles. You should be able to call it. You should be able to check out of runs. You should be able to see blitzes. You should be able to have zone beaters, blah, man beaters. Um, you should be able to have it all. You should be able to call you know, up-the-middle runs, quarterback runs. You should be able to call screen passes. I, I, I think at any level. I don't care if it's Tyrod Taylor or Blake Bortles. I agree, and and you know the kid is a backup quarterback. How many times have we hear that the backup quarterback, Tyrod Taylor, any backup quarterback is usually a smart, one of the smartest guys on the team. He's been a constant, consummate professional this whole time. Um, I I really hope he starts, and I hope the Bills make the playoffs. And it's just really, it's really hard as a fan when you feel like so disrespected. I mean, the only reason that. You know, you had building the Herd podcast. I got this thing going on at the same time. And the reason we got into podcasting is to spread a message that, like, hey, we have to look at this objectively. And sometimes there is a negative light to it. And I'm very passionate. So, I mean, to people out there who think I'm, you know, I supported Rex because at least I had injuries. At least I had other things. You know, at least he tried to figure it out and fired people, you know. Pretty strong. Right. And, and, and he fired the coordinator and, and it put Pep in the step. And it's like, I mean, I just don't understand how you want to go to bat for this team. And you need players to play for you. And if you don't give a fuck about them, they're not going to play for you. And that's the bottom line. you got to have these players to play for you. And here we go, another hot shot coach that comes in from a very lucky Carolina. Like, yeah, they went crazy that one year. But this is the same franchise that we're praising for giving up Norman and not having him on the franchise cap. And their secondary suffered. Oh, well, he had to force, he had to force two rookies to start. Well, yeah, because they gave one away. They gave a franchise player away. And what happened? You know what I mean? Like, I'm not proud of that. That's the guy running our organization. We look like the Browns right now. 
this is awful. You have a quarterback that probably doesn't want to play for this team anymore, that all of us fans have fallen in love with and supported, and, and at least I've beaten the drum for hard because, hey, to the Bills fans out there, you got what you wanted. Don't be backpedaling on your statements now. Don't be making, I don't want to see tweets. Good thing they made the, the, the tweets longer. Because now people can have excuses longer too, me included. And I see, I retweeted and commented on it of a dude. Uh, I like his tweets, by the way. I forgot who he is. Um, pretty much listing out every interception. Screw that. Screw that. If you're going to have that apology book, oh, it's just going to take time. Okay. Is it going to take time? Because you gave E.G. Manuel no shot. You gave everybody else no shot. And E.G. Manuel shouldn't even have been drafted that high. You know, so it's like, who are you going to trust? Are you going to trust this coaching staff for the future, Kevin? To pick, make the picks? They got six games to prove to me that they could show something together. And you're not going to get DeAndre, get Coleman up to the roster off the couch and show me that he's going to be able to play defensive tackle with an impact. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yep, I definitely do, this. I'm with you, 110%. Um, I want to see a lot out of the six games. I want to see at least a 3-3 three and three record, to be honest. Um, I want to see you be able to go to 8-8. Eight and eight. Um, You have the record, or you have the teams to be able to do so. You're going to drop two New England games. You're going to beat Indianapolis. I mean, you have Kansas City and two Miami games for me. I mean, I need you to go two and one there. I need to see that your your team's able to play for you. Yeah. I, I want an eight and eight record. I mean, everyone's saying, well, I want just eight straight losses. I just don't think that does anything for you. I know your people are like, well, I want to pick eighth overall. Like, great. I'm glad you do. I'd rather go eight. And guys, eight. they just got to, I mean, buddy, they just got to let the players play. You know what exactly. I mean? They they got to really the coaching staff really they already just micromanage the quarterback position. I don't need you to 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 tell players to go out and lose. Can we at least? Here's the thing is, as and I'll wrap up with this is uh, and let you hit it. Um, I I let the, the the media went nuts over Fred Jackson and Spiller. It's Spiller's it was Fred's turn, and that's a coaching staff where in hindsight, Chain Gailey had a productive offense every year he was in the league pretty much uh, with the any roster he had. Okay, so we've seen an extreme genius offensive coach schematically. I mean, Donald Jones calls him an offensive genius, and I'll believe Donald Jones over Bill's Mafia fan board member XX5, okay? So um, I, I look at it like you can put players in a position to succeed. Yeah, look at Chang. You're right, Chang. Real quickly on Chang Gailey, he took two undrafted free agents and a seventh-round pick in Steve Johnson – uh, Donald Jones and uh, David Nelson and made them a really good receiving core. That's you spent a seventh he, round pick on mm-hmm. three players. But here's the thing is why isn't Dennison getting the same heat? I guess, you know what? Now we're part of media officially if we're credentialed. So I guess, Hey, we're, I guess we're technically respected media for a grandstand sports network. Woohoo. Which is like fucking really, excuse my French, really sweet. Um, but uh, it's like, Hey, uh, Media guys, why don't you ask about that? It's too late now. October it was injured, but you know I saw a lot of out of Cadet, and you guys were at practice all the time, and he would have made an impact. You guys had Calvin Benjamin in the building for the Jets. Have the kid suit up. He's in shape. He's a professional. Okay, at least have the defense go away from it. How about you don't have Tolbert in? Oh well, why was he in? Well, it was, it was part of the rotation. He was part of the, from Dennison's mouth. Part of the rotation, <laughs> huh? So we have a Hall of Famer in the backfield that what's the specialty make a miss what do you got to do get the ball in space what are we going to do probably like six screens over like eight games okay that shows me that you know your personnel no no the beef i have 
with coaches is ego. And it took me like at least 20 games, 22 games to get annoyed with Doug Marone. Really, it did. And here I am wishing we had Doug Marone. You know what I mean? Like, it's crazy. I never thought I'd be here right now because, man, maybe maybe Doug Whaley was an asshole to work with. Man, maybe they shouldn't have drafted Sammy Watkins. Man, maybe it really was crazy to draft EJ Manuel. Man, maybe Nathaniel Hackett thought he was having Fitzpatrick here and they just get rid of him. Right? Like, huh. It sounds like we don't have a cohesion. We have cohesion between the front office and the coaching staff of just sucking right now. That's the only cohesion we have, really. It's it's kind of hilarious and depressing. Sure, absolutely, Dave. I think that's that's a really good thing to leave with. I mean, absolutely, we could go through next week and talk about potential things we could have done differently in the offseason. But right now, it's as bad as a three-game stretch as possible. You're talking about uh, no uh, October 31st, a Halloween day trade where you're bringing uh, one of your weakest points. You're bringing in a new receiver um, to, to shore up your, your biggest weakness. Five and two, be a beatable Jets team. Everything's roaring to just the worst three-game stretch in the history. What a bizarre year. Exactly. Kevin, where can we find you? What's up on Lockdown Bills? I know you just podcasted, so let us know what's up. Absolutely. As always, at Kevin Masseri. Most of you now that listen know where to find me. Um, and other than that, what am I working on? Same old coming up with great takes and studying the sport and um, going live two or three times a week. Kevin, thank you. That's K-E-V-I-N-M-A-S-S-A-R-E, as you see in the title uh, on Twitter or in the description somewhere. So, Kevin, thanks again, man. Don't forget, everybody, GrandstandSportsNetwork.com and PunchDrunkSports.com. If you want to know about them, you've listened to us before. If not, check them out. So, uh, toodaloo and uh, goodbye, folks.